This election is a choice. This election will determine whether we can come together. This election is absolutely crucial. What's really important, of course, is 12 us in a giant stress-free rifle. Please explain. You're listening to the 4ZZZ Breaks the Election podcast. Hello, election watchers. Welcome to the 4ZZZ Breaks the Election podcast, where our newsroom breaks down what's happening in the election for May 10, 2022, just 11 full campaigning days until the federal election. My name's Alexis Pink. I'm the news coordinator at 4ZZZ, and joining us is the 4ZZZ newsroom. Uh, my name's Tom, and I am the host of Tuesday Brisbane Line. My name's Ivana, and I am a Z-liner. And on today's podcast, Peter Dutton sits on the Brennerton Report, Australia's gambling donors, and Catherine Deves. Again. Mm. Fun show ahead. Let's start at the top. What is happening with Peter Dutton? Who'd like to tell me about the Brennerton Report? I've got that one. Um, So, Minister Peter Dutton is in possession of six reports from an oversight panel set up in 2020 regarding Brennerton reforms. The Department of Defence said yesterday but he has yet to disclose any details to Parliament. The panel was set up in 2020 by then-Minister Linda Reynolds to give Australians confidence that the Australian Defence Force is confronting the alleged war crimes in Afghanistan and committing to cultural reforms. Reynolds promised regular reports to Parliament, but Dutton, who has been in the role for 13 months, is yet to do so. Uh, The Afghanistan Inquiry Implementation Oversight Panel has provided six reports between February 2021 and May 2022, a department spokesperson has said. Last week, when asked about this, Dutton hit out at The Guardian Australia and labelled them, quote, a trashy publication. Why is he so defensive about the defence reports that we're talking about here? Well... Presumably because the findings aren't that good. I mean, probably our best window into all of that uh, all of that stuff that's going on is actually the Ben Robert Smith trial where we're actually getting a lot of information as opposed to with the Brereton Inquiry. Hmm. And it doesn't look particularly good. No, it doesn't. Um, so we should say a little bit more about the Brereton Inquiry in particular. So that inquiry was about internal culture into the Australian Defence Forces, especially things around um, the SAS, Australia's Elite Soldiers Group, and their actions in Afghanistan, which have sort of sparked a little bit of a cultural um, inward look in the ADF. Well, as, as Ivana said, Linda Reynolds specifically set up this inquiry uh, to look into and confront, confronting was what the word she used, the alleged war crimes in Afghanistan and actually committing to cultural reforms, right? You can't really confront mistakes that you've made in the war in Afghanistan if no one knows about what the inquiry is discovering. Yeah, it is a little bit of an approach from this government in particular. They took the same approach to asylum seekers who come by boat as well, choosing to put into legislation rules that stop reporting on specific boat arrivals and we know on other issues the government is not afraid of tooting its own horn when things come sunny side up so if they're choosing to sit on this it's because there's a very good reason for it and it is not going to reflect well on the australian defense force and how the war in afghanistan was handled all right let's move down to the next story gambling donations um tom take us away so it's no secret that australia's gambling industry is in the midst of a bit of a reckoning with scandals revolving around money laundering, financial fraud, and criminal infiltration. 
and now organizations and individuals linked to the gambling industry have poured at least 18 million dollars in political donations into the states and territories in recent years as an abc investigation has revealed this is compared with 50 million dollars disclosed at the commonwealth level in the decade to 2019-20 uh, more than three quarters of the $18 million flowed to the ALP and its investment vehicle, the 1973 Foundation. The investigation is the first to analyse gambling-related donation data across all seven states and territories, Electoral Commission registers. Charles Livingston, a gambling researcher and associate professor at, professor at Monash University, told the ABC, political power is brought by donations, and claims, quote, in an institutional system of corruption which is perfectly legal but which clearly brings the entire system into contempt. So we should say from the start that currently donation laws allow for any corporation of any type, so long as it's not otherwise illegal, to make donations to major political parties and political candidates. So nothing that's been exposed in this report is technically illegal. This is about the morals behind accepting a donation. And it's certainly a topic that the Australian Greens love um, talking about on a regular basis, taking a very principled, no corporate donations position on this stuff. But what has Labour and the LNP's approaches to taking corporate donations? If the money's there, you take it. That seems to be the approach. And, you know, there's no, there's no getting around the fact that money buys influence. And you, if you look at the money that the fossil fuel industry pours into, into political parties, there's a very clear link between really high levels of political donation to the main parties and having a very clear agenda that's probably contrary to some of the information that's finding its way into the public domain. There's something else that we should say about donations data in the Australian government. It only gets published every six months. What's the impact of not knowing who is donating for what party before a federal election? Would you change your vote based on who's donated to whom? I certainly would. As I said, money buys influence no matter what. It's not an unfair statement, I don't think, to say that from looking at political donations and spe specifically the, the significant ones, you can pretty much tell the agendas that that particular party is going to follow. And so if you're allowed access to that donation data, and there are very significant donations from causes that you perhaps don't support or that you find ethically ambiguous, I think that is 100% grounds for at least reconsidering your vote. So, as you say, especially in the lead-up to an election, even if it's only six month, every six months the rest of the time, surely there should be more transparency about who's making a last-ditch effort to get their issues to the forefront of the main political parties' minds. Let's move on to our last story. Catherine Deves. Back in the news again. She keeps coming back. Like <laughs> One right. day, maybe she'll come in for a reason that's not completely horrible. Not anytime soon, but maybe one day. Yeah. Um, so tell us about this story. What's going on here? So just first of all, putting out there, there is a transphobia warning before this story. Um, as it is Catherine Deves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of goes in the name, doesn't it? Right? She's her own transphobia warning. <laughs> Scott Morrison has reacted to Liberal candidate Catherine Deves reversing her apology for describing transgender children as, quote, surgically mutilated and sterilised. Last month, Ms Deves issued a public apology for language used in social media posts. However, on Monday, Ms Deves said her position on the matter remains the same. 
Miss Deason further backtracked by saying that the mutilation was the correct medico-legal term for gender confirmation surgery. When asked by the media this morning if he supported Miss Deve's stance, Prime Minister Scott Morrison replied, Yes, I do, despite previously saying that he wouldn't use the term mutilation. Okay, let's start at the top of this. Do you think any surgeon anywhere in any system would accept that their work is the mutilation of a body? Absolutely not. So is this very likely to be a medical term? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no, oh, clearly it's rubbish. I, I, I don't even know where to start. Like, I'm, I'm kind of starting to question whether she wants to be elected. She, se- <laughs> she, seems to be, she seems to be intentionally sabotaging herself by saying the most bigoted thing she can find. It does seem harsh, like very extreme as far but- as... There's no way this is positive for her campaign in any way, like... Who walks back an apology? Well, you might walk back an an apology if the information underlying that apology has changed. But has it? Nor has the medico-legal terminology changed either. Is this still a big issue for voters? I, I don't know, like, it seems to keep coming back in the campaign and it seems to be an election issue but it should be a big issue for people in Warringah. i mean i don't think anything's changed as you say her stance hasn't changed but it should be a big deal right until they walk out of the election booth to know that your potential representative holds those views and also that she's insensitive enough and stubborn enough not to even just admit that maybe she's in the minority there or that maybe what she's saying is wrong when faced with the ridiculous amount of public criticism that she's received. So that's all the time we've got for the podcast today. Thank you for listening to the 4ZZZ Breaks the Election podcast. For more news, head to 4ZZZ.org.au forward slash news or listen to 4ZZZ on 102.1 FM on DAB Plus Digital Radio via the 4ZZZ website or on your favourite podcasting app. If you have a tip-off or feedback about the show, please email us, newsroom at 4ZZZ.org.au. And if you'd like to support this project and many more on 4ZZZ, you can go to 4ZZZ.org.au forward slash support to subscribe or make a donation today. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks. Bye. Bye.